Welcome to Season 2, Episode 18 of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. We believe in equitable and inclusive access to the tools and resources needed to start a business. In this podcast, we will speak with some of the leading voices in the field of inclusive entrepreneurship and learn from their best practices. Today, we're speaking with Evan Fay, Program Manager of Entrepreneurship at the Oklahoma City Chamber. Welcome, Evan. Hey, David. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. So, Evan, tell us a little bit about your work. Uh, what does the Chamber do uh, and how you got started? Absolutely. Um, so, I guess... Thinking about this in terms of a story, um, I uh, have worked for the Oklahoma City Chamber for about three and a half years um, in a role that largely is ecosystem building. Uh, and I know that a lot of a lot of the listeners here are familiar with ecosystem building. Um, I certainly wasn't uh, when I began this role, and I think it is it is definitely a growing trend among economic development organizations. But it's it's kind of a, a new territory for chambers of commerce as well. Um, and so chambers of commerce, I think traditionally, you know, every small town to big city has one, um, and, and they take many different forms, um, depending on, you know, the markets that they serve, uh, here in Oklahoma city, uh, we are kind of a three faceted organization. So there's a membership organization of businesses from around the region that, you know, come together to advocate on things like policy, business, best practices, um, and general community building. Uh, we also house our convention and visitors bureau and, you know, they operate, um, the convention center, they recruit conferences to Oklahoma city and really market Oklahoma city and the region as a destination, um, for, you know, vacation and leisure. And then finally, the area that I operate in is, is within economic development. And so, you know, I like to tell people that we wake up every day and think about how to, grow and diversify uh, the Oklahoma City region's business climate. I also like to think of ourselves as product managers, and our product is the city of Oklahoma City, uh, making sure it's a better experience um, in terms of the policy environment for businesses, small businesses and entrepreneurs, making sure that uh, our resources are accessible, uh, measuring and communicating you know, the successes of businesses here, and also uh, measuring and communicating um, the things that we need to improve upon as a city uh, and, and bringing together the right stakeholders to uh, accomplish those goals. It's funny because I don't think that there's, you know, an economic development career path. You can't declare it as a major in college. Um, I was an economics major at school, but as any good economic developer, I actually started out in a private sector job um, working for a biotech company in the region. Um once getting into this work, I really developed a passion for uh, startups and the people that that create them, the people that run them and scale them. And I was shocked at how how much entrepreneurial activity was happening in happening in Oklahoma City um, and how little the story was told. And I think that's the case for a lot of you know cities across certainly the Midwest, but probably around the country. Um, is, is that we're just not telling our story well or with one voice. 
and, and lifting up entrepreneurs of all, you know, shapes and sizes. Um, and therefore, you know, we, that, that's job security for me. We have a lot more work to do uh, in building an environment where entrepreneurs are supported um, and where stories are told. And so I'm, I'm excited to talk through some of that here today. How did you get started in this work? Uh, this, you know, like you said, there isn't like a clear career path to being an ecosystem builder. What uh, was your motivation? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Did you grow up in a small business environment? What was your motivation to come and do this work? You know, none of the above. I, you know, kind of had a traditional upbringing. Um, neither of my parents, you know, are entrepreneurs or small business owners. Um, I was around uh, some really forward-thinking um, entrepreneurs in college uh, and kind of just enjoyed the storytelling of, you know, an entrepreneur's journey, risking it all, making big bets, leveraging oftentimes new technology. And if you kind of look under the hood, I think in every entrepreneur's story, there's, you know, connectivity uh, in their neighborhoods and their communities or in their cities um, and, and there's there's kind of these unsung heroes, these groups of people or these you know role models or mentors that really helped them remove barriers, whether it's to finding customers or testing their products or finding capital. And there was just something that really drew me to being part of an entrepreneur's journey um, and doing that from, you know, an ecosystem perspective. Um and so, you know, while I don't have an entrepreneurial background myself uh, in terms of having started a business, it is one of the most energizing things to witness. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing my small role in it uh, <laughs> with a way that energizes me. Talking about the chamber and entrepreneurship, when you look at Oklahoma City, what do you see in terms of diversity of small businesses that get started up? across the spectrum. So high-tech startups all the way to Main Street businesses. What does the diversity of uh, the Oklahoma City ecosystem look like? So I really appreciate the question and kind of the way that you framed it, uh, because I think that, uh, you know, we all have to agree on this definition of entrepreneur. We're living in this moment in time where it seems like founder culture is in vogue, uh, you know, living with a roommate in an apartment, raising a big seed round, participating in a big accelerator program. And, you know, while those founders are all entrepreneurs, um, so is the 65-year-old sole proprietor that's running her neighborhood bakery. Um, so is the 25-year-old who spent down his savings to open up a design and build construction company. Uh, and we see a lot of both of those things in Oklahoma City. We have a, a diverse business climate here. There are, you know, a fair share of tech-enabled uh, startups. Um, there, there are also, you know, a really robust network of um, Main Street businesses and kind of lifestyle businesses, as we would call them. It's, I will get into this maybe a little bit later, but, you know, as, as certainly throughout the COVID pandemic, we became acutely aware of you know, a lot of women and minority-owned businesses that were just kind of off the radar, that, you know, their needs were not being met in a more formal way um, through, you know, the city and, and policy and access to capital. And so, you know, while I guess 18 months ago, we would say, hey, we have a pretty diverse business climate, uh, I would say now we've, we've turned over a lot of rocks and have started to see that 
it's a lot even more diverse than meets the eye. Uh, and there's so much more work that we can do to continue encouraging an environment where a diverse set of businesses can thrive. And I think that, you know, diversity and inclusivity is really all encompassing. It's, you know, not only the business community, but uh, from an ecosystem builder's point of view, it's the resource types, it's the resource providers, it's geography, um, and it's making sure that there's equal access to the right resources at the right time for anyone in our ecosystem that needs that assistance. And, you know, this, I think at the same time, it involves recognizing that, you know, different people groups, uh, founders from a variety of backgrounds may need different types of assistance. Um, you know, black business owners, for instance, face greater barriers when raising or accessing capital. And so, you know, while we as an ecosystem may have a variety of capital sources for small businesses, inclusivity and diversity means that there's an intentional focus on ensuring access to funding for minority-owned businesses, knowing the challenges that they face. So all that to say, we have a diverse community of, of startups and small businesses and a growing diverse community of resources to serve them. I was reading up on the partnership between the Urban League of Greater Oklahoma City and the Chamber and the series around creating a culture of inclusion. And I was fascinated by it because we believe that that you cannot talk about entrepreneurship uh, without talking about uh, inclusivity and equity and social justice. Because in a lot of communities, like you said, you know, when you say there's a friends and family round, most black business owners don't have friends and family with a friends and family round to pitch into their business. And, and therefore, when you think about programs, you have to look at it from the lens of uh, inclusivity and, and equity in your programming. When you think about the framework that you've created with this Launch OKC Metro, what were some areas that you wanted to focus on uh, specifically around providing infrastructure support for entrepreneurship? You know, capital is one thing you talked about, but were there other pieces that you wanted to take into account when you were putting together this Launch OKC Metro program? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we really have appreciated the partnership with Startup Space uh, and the way that, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other and the way that you all have been a, a resource for us as a city in housing and, and measuring, you know, the impact of, of a lot of the resources and really showing us where the gaps are. And so I would say with Launch OKC Metro, which is our, you know, our startup space platform, one of the immediately obvious things to us as we started to populate kind of that ecosystem map was the need for a geographically diverse set of resources like mentorship or, you know, things like small business development centers. Uh, you know, there is not actually a small business development center with an office in Oklahoma City proper. Uh, there's one directly to the north in Edmond, which is a bordering suburb. And then there's one directly to the east in Midwest City. You know, one is within a 10 minute drive of me right here. One's within a 20 minute drive. But still, you know, we need to have one in Oklahoma City proper that is serving Oklahoma City small businesses. I think kind of to get back to the heart of your question, I think, a, you know, a, a challenge and an opportunity that we face in terms of resources and, and making sure that they're available to all businesses is overcoming, you know, the lack of trust in resource providers. So we have, you know, resources like 
formal mentorship programs. Uh, there's a mentorship program here called the Oklahoma Entrepreneur Mentoring Program that is a licensee of uh, MIT's Venture Mentoring Program. We have a really robust set of mentors who have all you know, founded, operated, and some have exited successful companies that are pouring back into the ecosystem. How can we make sure that, that everybody who could possibly benefit in Oklahoma City, everybody who could possibly benefit from that program knows about the program? A lot of us maybe gravitate toward social media, to markets, um, gravitate toward um, you know email blasts and links on the website. Uh, but over the last year and a half, you know, during COVID, I've certainly realized we've got to get out of our offices and we've got to go build relationships with these businesses. In many cases, you know, business owners are are too busy working in their business to work on their business. And so how can we make sure that they are aware of all of these resources, whether it's mentoring or help developing a you know more robust business plan or getting their business online, how can we meet them where they are um, and, and offer them you know, easy access to these resources? Um, Launch OKC Metro and Startup Space has really helped us kind of collectively showcase all of the available uh, resources in Oklahoma City and in the region. You know, the next piece of it is then deploying these resources to businesses um, in the way that they need them most. So a lot of this involves, you know, going and, like I said, going and visiting them during their business hours. One other, you know, thing that comes to mind is, like I said, that lack of trust. It's, you know, overcoming the lack of trust is going to lead to more democratization of resources and unlocking banking relationships. Um, You know, minority business owners feeling comfortable working with an advisor to file their taxes or develop a business plan. Or, um, you know, like I said, get their business online. And a big piece of this lack of trust is that resource providers, even though they're willing and qualified, don't look like the communities that they're working to serve. So we need to find and equip and mobilize more, you know, minority resource providers, more women resource providers um, to serve women and minority owned businesses, because there's just that trust, uh, I think, that comes with getting help from somebody that looks like you that's, you know, maybe experienced some of the same social challenges that you have. And so that's kind of the the next step for us as a community is, um, you know, how can we, now that we know what we have uh, and we know what's being utilized, how can we raise up more, a diverse pipeline of, of um, you know, suppliers, providers to help these businesses? I'm fascinated by the work you're all doing uh, in Oklahoma City. I'll have, I have two questions about Oklahoma City in general. Uh, one is, which is the, the second half of the question, which will be, you know, why Oklahoma City? So plug for Oklahoma City uh, from you. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of other really cool things uh, come come through, like, for example, the Thunder Launchpad, which was so exciting to see uh, the work that Stitch Crew is doing with uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, there are, I'm sure there are other programs like that. But before we talk about why Oklahoma City, can we talk a little bit about COVID-19 and the impact and the recovery? How did the businesses, specifically the small and micro businesses, fare through COVID-19? And what does recovery look like uh, for Oklahoma City small and micro businesses? 
Absolutely. Um, so COVID-19 to me was one of the bigger, I think, and it sounds weird to say, it was one of the bigger blessings um, from an ecosystem standpoint. Um, and I realized that we lost a tremendous amount of uh, kind of an unknowable amount of small businesses. But it was the moment for us as a city where we said, oh, my gosh, we are at risk of, of losing the very fabric and vibrancy of our city. And, and there was this necessity to come together. Uh, we had the Oklahoma City Chamber, the Alliance for Economic Development and the city of Oklahoma City all came together to ideates and creates and launch a COVID relief um, grant program, technical assistance program, and um, we called it the retrofit program. So, you know, there were a lot of, you know, space requirements for restaurants and um, physical places of business that required, you know, purchasing new furniture or um, adding on to spaces or creating outside patios. And so we we deployed almost $60 million in assistance um, to the small business community for COVID relief. It happened in kind of three phases. So in April, there was an immediate injection of capital, you know, through an application process. Um, middle of the summer, you know, as, as things were kind of starting to open up a little bit, you know, people were able to get outside of their homes and visit, you know, in limited capacity, some small businesses. But by the end of July and into August, we were looking at the data of the businesses that received assistance, whether it was technical assistance or, or actual you know, grant funding. And we realized there was a big gaping hole amongst the minority owned business community. And this really lined up with what we were seeing nationally with Paycheck Protection Program and other kind of federal programs is that there really weren't you know, any uh, minority-owned businesses that were able to take advantage of these programs. And, you know, thus we were at risk of really losing those businesses. Um, and so in October, we made a, an ask of our city council to fund an additional program specifically for minority-owned businesses uh, to provide grants and assistance, technical assistance to them. We were able to help, I think, a little over 1,100 minority-owned businesses uh, but more importantly, we were able to get to know these businesses kind of as what I was saying earlier, you know, access to resources. Um, and, and a lot of these business owners are working in their business and don't have a chance to work on their business. We actually set up, you know, application stations around the community. Um, and many of us were able to sit down with these business owners, go to their places of business um, or meet at the public library on the Northeast side or in South Oklahoma city and actually help these business owners, you know, accumulate the right documentation, fill out their application, submit the application, uh, and, and really started to develop a personal relationship with a lot of these business owners. And so for me, uh, that was kind of the aha moment, um, that, that got me thinking about well, how can I use my role and my platform to serve, you know, all entrepreneurs and small businesses, but being intentional to include, you know, minority-owned businesses or businesses from underserved communities that just don't have the same level of access. Uh, and so that's what gets me excited to get up and go to work every day now is um, 
you know, continuing to learn and, and get close to and understand the needs of, of thousands of businesses in our community that we just didn't have relationships with. I, I love that uh, you look at COVID-19 as a silver lining to bring the community together. And, and that's amazing, right? Because uh, in a lot of cases, when there is crisis, it helps rally people together. And if you can see that happen, then now you've got a framework that you can use beyond the pandemic. Uh, and that's exciting to hear. So let's then switch and say, why Oklahoma City? If I'm a small business owner, a startup founder, a person of color that's looking to find the next destination, given that you know now you can work remotely and you can uh, work you know from Bali or from Alaska and and still be connected to a full-time job. What about Oklahoma City? Is Oklahoma City the next destination to start a business? Absolutely a favorite question of mine. However, you mentioned Bali, and I think we should all pack up and move to Bali if we can work remotely. <laughs> we cannot do Bali. Um, can we do Oklahoma City? <laughs> Oklahoma, Oklahoma City will do. And uh, you, you know, you mentioned some of this earlier with programs like the Thunder Launchpad and and Stitch Crew, which is the organization that runs it. You know, we. I think for a long time, we were billed Oklahoma City, as was many other you know, Midwest markets, um, as, you know, we are a cost efficient place to do business. Um, it is inexpensive to live here. Uh, it's inexpensive to purchase and engage with goods and services here. But we've really, in the last couple of years, moved out of that um, being our kind of lead pitch. I would, I would say that the best thing about Oklahoma City is that on day one, um, you can move here and and have access to our mayor on you know Twitter or at City Hall. Um, you can have access to our NBA team through a specific program for you know startups through the Thunder Launchpad. There there are a lot of places that are friendly for entrepreneurs and for you know people looking to launch a small business that are cost effective, that are livable, walkable. Um, vibrant cities, but I would argue that there's no better place in the United States for you to to make a difference on day one and to be surrounded and championed by people that want to see you make a difference. We're very we're very proud of our own, and so our entrepreneurial ecosystem I think reflects that. Uh, there's a certain level of stickiness where if you know there there are definitely stories of companies being founded here. Uh, that have chosen to, you know, locate elsewhere or scale elsewhere. Uh, but there's an even greater number of stories of companies that are, you know, maybe would have had it easier if they would have moved away to raise capital somewhere else or to hire talent, you know, pre-COVID somewhere else. But they chose to do it here because um, everybody here wants to see them succeed, knows them by name, wants to tell their story, wants to champion them. Um, and there's just this overall positive energy. I will also say that we're a city that invests in ourself and, and it plays the long game. Um, you know, some may be familiar with MAPS, which is uh, Metropolitan Area Projects. And in the 1980s, we had a mayor by the name of Ron Norick, and he was working on a traditional economic development project to recruit an airline you know, headquarters here. And ultimately ended up losing that opportunity to Indianapolis. And the data that he gathered was that none of the airline executives wanted to live here. They didn't want to spend their free time in Oklahoma City. 
And so, you know, he thought about what might I do to change that? And, and how can we start to, you know, decades after my time as mayor is gone, what can we do to make sure that we, you know, nobody can ever diminish our quality of life or our, our sense of self-worth. And so for the last 25 years, um, we have funded a billion and a half dollars of public projects, parks, convention centers, light rail transits, you know, street improvements, school improvements with a, with a one cent sales tax increase that the people of Oklahoma city have voted on four times. We continue to invest in our city debt-free, and that is what has led to things like the Oklahoma City Thunder having a place to play basketball. It's led to, you know, like I said, a light rail system uh, that that helps people navigate downtown um, and, and come downtown and leave downtown for work. Um, and so to sum it up, uh, you know, Oklahoma City is, is um, I think we punch above our weight in terms of the way that we um, have built the city and and have built it to be a place for people uh, where people want to you know raise a family and to grow a business and um, you know our, our entrepreneurial ecosystem I think is a testament of that. Now I'm going to shift topics to uh, ask you something more personal. If you looked at all of the the businesses that you've supported through the chamber or through the launch OKC Metro platform. Can you think of a favorite startup or small business that you've worked with and share with us uh, a highlight of uh, what that business does, just for us to get a sense of the type of businesses that have started uh, since you've been working with them? Absolutely. Um, so one that comes to mind is uh, it's called Avis Precision Diagnostics, um, and it is a healthcare platform in the kind of pharmacogenomics industry and that basically what they do, they, they serve diabetes patients and um, they, you know, use a patient's genetic profile to understand which types of diabetic medicine they will have adverse reactions to. So there's something around, you know, 30 different diabetes management medications and Avis has identified, I think it's 15 or 16 kind of genetic markers that will indicate whether, you know, you as a diabetes patient will respond, you know, favorably or unfavorably to certain treatments. And so it really lessens the time that it takes for you to get on the medicine to manage your diabetes that, that works best for you. And I've had a relationship with these guys for the last three years. They, they moved here from the Northeast, went to school at Johns Hopkins, had a brief stint on the West Coast uh, to try and launch their, you know, their, their bio company there. You know, San Diego area is definitely known for its investment community and its scientific community and, and its kind of prowess at, at scaling bio companies. But their founder uh, was from kind of the Midwest, originally was grown up, born in the Midwest, and, and had heard great things about Oklahoma City. And so we hosted them a couple of times on a visit and, you know, helped get them plugged in with some of our diabetic researchers uh, here in Oklahoma City at our health sciences center with uh, the investment community that invests in the life sciences industry and with, you know, some of our local ecosystem builders, mentors, biomedical researchers and, and uh, the philanthropic community even helped them think about, you know, 
when they sign a lease for an apartment, where would they want to live? And so it's been a joy to watch, you know, the founding team build deep roots here. Um, and they are some of the biggest proponents of Oklahoma City to the greater kind of startup community and, and the bioscience startup community. Um, and it, it makes me proud to see the way that they've embraced it. It's their home now. And they're, uh, they're just a group of really good guys, you know, aside from what they seek to accomplish through Avis, the company. You know, I hope that, you know, they have every success in the world and that when it comes time for them to launch their next company or, or go and do their next best thing, uh, that they choose to do it here. If you had one advice for somebody who's starting out in this field, what would be that advice, especially things that if you look back at your career, you would have started differently or even things that you've learned that you didn't have to uh, do just from seeing others and how they've started out in this. Because like you said, there isn't like a college degree you can get in this. A lot of this work is like learned work. And one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is because we get so many questions around ecosystem building. How do you set up the infrastructure to support inclusive and diverse and equitable access to resources? So what would be uh, one or two lessons learned that you'd like to share? Uh, great question. And I, I kind of chuckle at that, you know, I don't remember who told it to me a long time ago about there's no there's no path to economic development. There's no path to ecosystem building. But I, I, you know, I for sure feel this way. I can't imagine doing anything differently. I think every day is, you know, a, a new opportunity to help others, to build community uh, and to learn more about, you know, the communities that raise entrepreneurs. And I sure hope that everybody, you know, listening feels the same way about about their profession and their calling. I think. A couple of things that I would I would say as a takeaway first, kind of academically, um, is you know though there is no clear road to economic development or to entrepreneurial ecosystem building, uh, I think understanding the mechanics of business are very important. And so you know whether that is through a formal education or through you know the the vast online um, library of resources to understand everything from you know basic business finance to you know, growth marketing and you know, customer acquisition. I think it's important to know at a very you know basic level, kind of what the what what the levers are that make a business successful or unsuccessful. On more of a community building note, you know, I, the message is kind of twofold. Uh, the first kind of piece of advice or takeaway that I would offer is a phrase that I'll borrow from Brian Stevenson. Um, Brian is. He's the founder of the Equal Justice Institute and the author of the book, um, Just Mercy. And uh, that, that phrase, kind of that message is to get proximal. And so I think that, you know, many who are listening to the podcast are going to be familiar with the, the concept of human-centered design. Uh, and the first pillar of human-centered design is to develop empathy for your customer or for the population that you seek to serve. And... You know, I would argue that Brian's words of getting proximal ring true in order to develop empathy. Uh, the best way that we can do that as ecosystem builders is to get proximal. You know, kind of like I've talked about for me as a white man uh, that works in downtown Oklahoma City to understand the needs of the business community and other parts of my city. I've got to get out of my office and get into the community. I've got to meet with small business owners and founders from all backgrounds and from all corners of the city to really understand what life looks like through their eyes, because it's going to be a different experience than it is for me. And in order to advocate and build and remove barriers, uh, I've got to understand 
you know, and we have to understand as a community of ecosystem builders, you know, what life is like, and we can do that by getting proximal. On the backs of that, I think once, once we get proximal, let's use our platform for good. It's a conscious decision that, you know, many of us are going to have to make. It's easy and it's frictionless to fall into rhythms and to default to what's comfortable. Um, but all of us have a platform, whether it's a personal platform or it's through our work or a mix of both. We have social media followings. We have coworkers and we have family members who trust our opinions. And I would encourage you know everyone to think about how you might use your platform to serve others, support a diverse set of businesses, and to leverage your network to help those who don't really have access to quality networks. I love that. I also uh, strongly believe that we all have a platform, even if it's with our friends and family, it's at our workplace. Uh, and I think you said it really well, that let's use our platform for good and let's create uh, opportunities for everyone um, in uh, everything that uh, we have access to or the, the platforms that we have access to. Um, Evan, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I can't wait to actually come and visit you all in person now that COVID is over. We had planned it for a year ago this time, and you know I think we're finally at a point where um, it's starting to get safe to to travel. So I look forward to coming and uh, seeing you all in person and getting to experience Oklahoma City. Likewise. And thank you for giving, you know, me an opportunity to to kind of share a little bit about what we're doing. And I, you know, we we couldn't we couldn't do this work without your partnership and the community that you've helped build. And so just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you back. Uh, on our podcast sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Polnraj. Special thanks to Evan Fay for joining us. Show notes by creative director Jackie Dietrich. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.